Well, good morning, everyone. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad that I'm not preaching to an empty room. Um, I'm also glad that if you are watching online, just I want to thank you for making Oakwood a part of your day today because you could be doing so many other things, but you've decided to do that. Um, before I get going this morning, I do want to make a couple things aware. The first one is, uh, no, I did come out at the right time. Right, I, I, I was planned to come out at this moment. This isn't abnormal. I was, I was supposed to be here at this moment, um, which I, I think is amazing. Um, I didn't get to say this in the first service, but what a wonderful team, right? A wonderful team. Um, I just find it amazing that I, I, I'm able to be able to do this, that our, our team can just function without me. I love it. Um, I do. I thank Ethan for putting in a lot of work this week, um, just leading up to these moments. But the other thing I want to I want to point out and I want to make aware. Um, I don't know who was in here last week eating ice cream, but um, I expect an invite after the service. All right, so I, I bring my own spoon. Um, we can rotate weeks when it comes to what ice cream we can have conversations, but. Let's share ice cream. Um, seriously, though, if this is yours, uh, please do come find me. We found it in here this week. Um, but <laughs> it really did. Somewhere over here is where it was. It was great. Um, that's why I keep looking at you guys. Uh, <laughs> as we get going this morning, though, I do want to invite you, if you have your hard copy of your Bible here, um, we're going to be opening to the uh, book of Galatians in the fifth chapter. Um, if not, if you have your phone, which is normally what I use on Sunday mornings as I'm sitting over here, um, I turn on our app, our Oakwood app, kind of follow through that way, or you can just go to the Bible app as well. Um, but starting with Galatians 5 is where we are going to be. Um, and I will say today we are going to be talking about worship. I know a little cliche coming from the worship pastor, but um, we're going to be talking about it from a different angle rather than um, what I think some of you might have in your head, which is singing songs, um, when we should raise our hands, what, what songs are good. Like this has nothing to do with music um, because I personally believe that a life of worship is just that. It's a life lived for Jesus. If you come in here and this hour that we spend together is the only time you're connecting with God, you're missing a life, a life full of the Spirit. So as we dig in, if you look down, that's what we're going to be talking about. Towards the end of this chapter, you'll see, uh, maybe if you have, like my Bible has a little title, Life in the Spirit, and that's what we're going to be talking about. Um, growing up for me, I was a pastor's kid, um, but for me, when we talked about the triune God, you know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, I could understand Father. I, I have a Father, right? I could understand Son. I, I was a Son. I have a Son. I get that one. It was the Spirit, right? The Spirit was a little bit just kind of out there, something. It, it took me a moment to really figure out and really be able to define what the Spirit is. And for me, when I look at the Spirit, um, my, my favorite definition that someone's ever given me is it's the personal presence of God in our lives that is designed to bring change and to bring life. That is what the Spirit is. It's a personal presence of God in our lives that brings change and it brings life. So let's open together, however you have it. Let's open to Galatians 5 at the very end, and uh, we'll read, starting at verse 16. It says, So I say, being Paul, says, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, 
you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. I want to point out as we begin to dig into these um, verses that we just read, uh, my hope today is that maybe, maybe you'll come away with something new, um, but more importantly, my hope is that you um, would be reminded. You would be reminded of something that Paul, I believe, is trying to point out um, in these scriptures, I believe th these are for believers, right? Paul is talking to believers. If you read the whole book of Galatians, which I encourage you to do, um, I, I got to read it last night, just kind of reminding myself it took about 20 minutes, maybe 25 tops. Um, it's a really good book to read. And what Paul is trying to do in this letter is talk to some Christians that have had other believers who were Jewish believers come in and try to tell them they have to do something more to accept Christ, and Paul is trying to say, no, that is not how it works. Um, so that's kind of where the scripture is coming from and how it's being pulled um, out of inside of its context. But um, when I look at us talking about believers, right, I've observed like I've observed how we come to Christ. Um, and for me, there's kind of two ways that I've noticed. One is what I call just a quick ignition, right? Um, there's a moment in your life camp, maybe it's a revival, maybe you're having coffee with a friend, but there's a moment and it clicks. Everything clicks. And you're like, that's what I want. That's what I'm going to be. Let's go. But then there's others um, where I, I personally kind of sit and um, call it kind of a slow burn. It takes time. I, I know who Jesus is. I understand what he's done, but I want to know more. I want to understand. I want to understand this deeper. And whatever it is, however you've come to Christ, that's great. But there's something that I believe happens in all of us as believers. At some point, whether it's a week, maybe it's a day, it could be a year, two years, three decades, whatever it is. At some point in our lives, our old self, things of our past begin to creep in. They begin to make themselves aware again in our lives. And I think this is what Paul is going to be addressing. Um, he gives us two metaphors. Um, if we look there, um, the first metaphor I'm gonna point out is the one right there in verse 22. The very beginning, Paul gives us an image and he says, but the fruit of the Spirit. All right, fun fact, I'm gonna point out fun facts. For me, this was, when I was younger, I didn't really catch this, but as I got older, I kind of understood. You might already know this, but I'm gonna point it out. It says fruit, not fruits. It's very interesting because he uses like nine words here, eight words to describe fruit. And I think what Paul's trying to say is this is the one thing that the Spirit is trying to do in your life. And it's all of this together. This is what it is. This is the fruit of the Spirit. Um, when I hear this word fruit, though, I think of gardening. Anybody in here a gardener? 
It's okay to raise your hand, anybody? There we go, got some people. People like to garden. Um, I'll admit, I am not a gardener, right? I do not have a green thumb. I have enough problem trying to make my grass grow. Okay, I just am not a gardener. But what I do remember when it comes to gardening is I grew up in a home with a mother who was. She loved to garden. Um, whether it was flowers, whether it was food, whatever it might be, that, that was her thing. Um, but I remember um, being a pastor's kid, we, um, we, when we moved, we lived in parsonages. And um, this image right here is an image of the parsonage we were living in. Um, right down there with the little slope where the truck is, that's where I shot hoops a lot. I love playing there. But um, in the backyard, there was this spot. Um, you can see kind of etched out there, my, my dad and my brother kind of sitting in it. And there's kind of a gazebo we hadn't finished yet. Um, but this next picture kind of shows it exactly. You know, it's finished. You know, worship guy playing his guitar. Um, but... Right here in this area, this little squared out area, this is where, when we first moved in, there was a garden where food was being made, right? I remember being a couple years, I remember helping mom, getting hands dirty, trying to plant some things. Obviously, I was young, so I didn't do a whole bunch, but I did some. Um, but I remember knowing you, all the things that my mom had to know. She had to know when to plant, how to water them, what is the right thing, right? Is it a weed? Is it an actual fruit? When to pluck the fruit? How to protect it, right? There's things that come into your garden, hashtag rabbits, right? They come all the time. They come at it. Um, but there's other things, too, that try to come and destroy the garden. Um, for us, we had one such thing in our lives, and my, I asked my mom so that she would um, remind me of the story because I remember her telling it and I've asked several times and this is how it goes. So she remembers being in our kitchen and in our kitchen you sit down and you can do the dishes and cook wherever you're at but right by in front of that there's a window right here and out in that window you see into the backyard and you can see the garden and everything that's going on. And one evening my mom was sitting there because we we're wondering why isn't this garden growing well? And she looks up and outside she sees this. My sister. <laughs> right? Now, I love her to death. She knows I'm talking about this. And she said, oh, my goodness, you're bringing this up. That's what she talked about. So, but I had a little sister. And in these moments, just as you see there, she, she was playing in the garden. And she got in her own little world. And she was plucking all little fruits, all of our little vegetables, and putting them in a basket. And she, she was playing in her own little world. Um, so my mom, being as she is, she runs outside. She's like, no, 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 no. That's not what we do. We don't do that to gardens. We got to let them grow. So we got a little bit, a little bit that year. Um, but the second year, um, I love my sister, it happened again, right? <laughs> she did the same thing. She gets in a world, she kind of does her thing. But luckily for us, we actually had a friend, um, Ed, who let us bring some over there and plant some in his gardens, and he shared his garden with us. So like I said, I got to experience so many different fruits and vegetables in my life. And I thank my mom for it because I never would have eaten squash. Not, not a thing, not a thing in my life I would have enjoyed. But I do, I do think this image that Paul is giving us is important because I think he's trying to point out to us that as gardeners, this is what we should be doing in our lives. We should be taking care of our lives. I think he's pointing out that if we don't take care of it, fruit probably ain't going to grow. I mean, think about it. If you go take fruit or you take seeds and you throw them out in a garden and you walk away, what happens? You might get a tomato, maybe if you're lucky, but fruit does not grow. It doesn't happen unless we take care 
of what God has given us. And I think um, Paul points these out really well in some other um, verses um, and other books or letters, I should say, that he's written. Um, in, the, in the letter to Ephesians, at the end, he says this. He says, um, chapter 4, verse 30, it says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit. So that's this idea that we're like making the Spirit work way harder than it should. We're making it go way harder than it should. But then he also points out in the book um, Thessalonians, the first Thessalonian book or letter, should I say, he says, chapter 519, do not quench the spirit. So this, this idea that we can, we can really halter what the spirit is doing in our lives. If we don't take care of it, if we don't garden our lives, if we don't pull the weeds, if we don't protect put up boundaries, whatever it might be. If we don't do this, the spirit will have a hard time working. Um, there's a second metaphor, though, which is where we're going we're gonna to come back to the beginning that I really like, okay? Verse 16, um, he uses this image. He says, so I walk by the spirit. When I, when I image this in my head and when I think of things, um, in our family, we love snow. Anybody here love snow? Oh, yes, snow. We love snow, right? Um, um, that's pretty much what we pray for every year. But uh, anyways, snow. I remember going out um, and just playing in the snow. We'd have, I always have fun in the snow. But the one thing I always remember is when we all walked out, we, especially when it was fresh, everyone would make their own footprints. But I remember coming back in that I'd always try to find my dad's footprints. And I'd always try to step where he stepped and walked where he walked as far as I could. And I think that is the image that Paul is trying to stir in our minds, that we are walking with the Spirit. We are following the Spirit where he leads and where he goes. Um, but another thing in this verse, um, as we continue, it says, and you will, um, so walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the di desires of the flesh. He introduces something here, the flesh. Um, some people's translations right here might say sinful nature, which I really like that one. It gives a definition a little bit. But the flesh, he, he's setting us up to show us that there are two worlds here. There is the spirit and there's the flesh. And when we come and we accept Christ, we have now entered into this division in our lives. There is a life with the spirit and there is a life with with the flesh. Let's continue with 17. Um, he describes this a bit. He says, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. In these two passages, I think Paul is clearly acknowledging that there is a battle inside of us when we accept Christ, that you are fighting against your sinful nature. And I think Paul's theology is pretty clear. He says, as we as Christians, we exist now accepting Christ. We exist with one foot in the flesh and one foot in the spirit. And these two worlds are at conflict with one another inside of our lives. Um, 
And I think when Paul's giving us, his hope is that we would acknowledge these things, that we would, we would see who our enemy is and do something about it. And in that attempt to acknowledge something, I'm going to try to show you a little bit of a picture of how this really works in our lives. Um, anyone in here ever been in an argument? All right. I, if, all y'all should raise your hands. All right. Everyone in here has been in an argument. Um, so for me, when I, and this happens often, um, when I'm in an argument... Um, I don't know about you, but when the other person starts talking, in my head, I'm going, oh, you think you know what you're talking about. You just wait till it's my turn. I'm going to tell you and show you what's real, right? But in that same moment, something happens as well. There's something in the back of your head that goes, isn't that something that you told Joe is not a good idea? Didn't you already talk with your friends and say, I can't believe you did that. Why did you say that? Why did you do that? And in the back of the head, you're going, this is not right. That is the battle. That is what happens when our flesh wants us to do something. And the spirit's like, I don't think you want to do this. When we see the spirit, when Paul talks about the spirit, um, in this world, I think, I think it's very clear um, some things that the Spirit does as Christians and how when we accept Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit, right? He, he says this in, in the book of Ephesians. So the next letter over that they have, right, um, he talks about this in the very first chapter, something that the Spirit does for us as believers. He says, um, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. In this book, he, he reiterates it again in chapter 4, um, verse 30. He says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, which we've already read. But then he says, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So the Spirit, when he comes into our lives, he sets us apart. He makes us different. He seals us within Christ. And I think baptism, which we're going to be able to experience later on here in the service, is a great image. It shows us how we are different, how we have made a choice. We are following Christ, and he has set us apart. But he also talks about the flesh. Um, but I want to point something out here with the flesh. Um, that's why I really like the word simple nature way better, um, just because I think we can get misconstrued with the flesh. So in Genesis 1, does anyone know what was said when mankind, humankind was created? Anybody know what God said? I heard somebody said, it is very good. Everything else before this, he says, it was good. That's good. This is good. That's good. When he comes to us, he comes to our bodies, he says, this is very good. So this is not a physical thing that Paul is trying to talk about. He's trying to talk about something else that is inside of us because when sin came in, it came and it corrupted and it tainted our very lives. And that, I believe, is what Paul is addressing. So let's read these other verses where he, he talks about it. He goes into greater detail about the flesh, right? Our enemy, he says this, the acts of the flesh are obvious, 
sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Paul here, and this is why I love the, the um, NIV version of this, is it, it splits it up really well. I believe Paul here is trying to address four areas in our life when we let the flesh take over that can become corrupted and broken. And the first one, it's going to get a little awkward, sex. How we view sex is, is a, an indicator of how the flesh is active in our lives. He uses three words there, right? He says sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Anybody use that this week? No? All right, it's, it's a pretty interesting word that uh, pretty much points to it's when people are living in debauchery, they give way to anything and everything that gratifies them. They let whatever pleases them physically happen. It doesn't matter. Right? And if you look at our society, that is where we are. Right? Our society views sex as it's two consenting adults who are fulfilling uh, an emotional and physical pleasure. It's what it's for. But see, the Bible, I think, has a way better view of what sex is. When you look at the Bible and you see it, it is something beautiful. It is something that was meant to be between a man and a woman kept in a covenant of marriage. It is to be protected. Because in that moment when a man and a woman come together, there is something physically and spiritually that happens with God. Sex is important. But the second thing he points at, right, is how we kind of look at and view the spiritual realm around us. The things that we can't see. And the two words he uses here, idolatry and witchcraft. So idolatry is this idea that we will take um, whatever isn't God and we choose it and we make it our God. Right? And then witchcraft is this idea that whatever these forces are, I'm going to make them do whatever I want them to do. So there's this idea of control. That we can control the spiritual realm that is around us. We can make it do whatever we want to do. But the next one that he points at, um, which I find very interesting, because he uses eight words here for this one topic, but he used seven words for the other three. So if you look at it, for me, this is something really important to Paul, really important. And it has to deal with our relationships. How do we relate to one another? Right? He says, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, and envy. All of these are words, relational words, about how I deal with you or how I internally handle you. They're all about relationships. So I believe Paul's main emphasis here when he's talking about the flesh is how do you relate with your neighbor? How do you relate with your spouse, with your kids, with, with your best friend? And I'll even go as far to say this because Jesus said it, your enemy how do you relate to these people? Because it's important. And the last one he points at, I believe, is worship. How we worship God. So in Paul's day, um, the words here, drunkenness, orgies, and the like, these were acts that were for the gods. When he went to town, this is what they did. This is how they worshipped gods in Paul's day. So for him, it's important. How do we worship God? How do we see God in our lives? 
Because if we allow the Spirit, if we accept that Christ, the Spirit is in our life and He has come, it has come to change our life. And I believe what Paul is trying to say is we can come to a spot where we can hinder and stop the Spirit so much in our lives that we can make the choice and we can create an environment where the Spirit cannot grow. Can't bear fruit. I want to point out one thing, though, before we move on. Um, if you're sitting here today, and we've read through these, and you're, you're, maybe you're shaking in your boots, and you're wondering, is this me? Have I given in? Have I given? And you're like, am I saved? The fact that you're even asking that question means the Spirit is working. The fact that you're even thinking that, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Okay, so let the Spirit continue to work. So let's move on to what Paul explains to be the Spirit, right? But the fruit of the Spirit, this transition, is love. Right, this, this word in the Bible is not an emotional thing. It's not what we've made out to be. It's actually um, depicted as me, I'm choosing to put your well-being above my own. That is what love is. When I choose what's right for you above what's right for me. That is love. He then uses joy and peace. Um, look at this. These, these are two words in which a believer rests his life, his or her life. We rest in these words because we believe and we trust in what Christ has done for us. Because no matter the circumstances, I can have joy and I can be at peace because I am right with my Father. Then he uses uh, three more words here, forbearance, kindness, and goodness. So some of you might have the word patience here. Um, I do prefer the word forbearance because I think it brings a better meaning to that word in which it means to take on some, somebody else's stuff, right? If somebody comes at me in anger, if they come at, with, at me in, in just contention, I'm going to take it. If you need to yell, yell. If you need to blame me, blame me. I'm here for you. But I also come, I'm going to be kind. I'm going to show you God's goodness. Because he finished what I could not finish. And then he points out two more, faithfulness and gentleness. Which I think this is also how we approach one another. That we as Christians should be an image that is steadfast in what we say. When we say something that is Christ, we stand in it. We don't move. The imagery in, in Scripture is that we are trees and our roots are deep. That we are steadfast and we're faithful. But we're also gentle. The last word he uses here, though, I think is really, really interesting. Self-control. Um, you would think, you know, we're talking about the spirit. It would say spirit control. But he doesn't. He says self-control. And I think Paul is trying to come back to this idea that we have a part to play. We have a part to play in our lives and we are to do something because someone who is in the spirit has control of their life. They have control of the factors that are around them that they can control. So, we've gone through this. We've talked about it a bit. It leaves me with the question. Now that we know, now that we've seen, we know what the flesh is, we know what the spirit is, and we realize there is a battle, what do we do? 
What do we do? What do you do with this truth? What do you do with this realization that Paul is saying? And I think he sums it up really well. He says um, in verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Yep, another metaphor. We are called to be gardeners. We are called as Christians to take care of our lives. Now, at this moment, I could go into several things. I could tell you, hey, you need to pray more. You need to read your Bible. You need to get into fellowship. You need to, I can go through a list, but I think there's something even more rooted that all these things come from that we often forget. And it is the good news of Jesus Christ. It is the gospel truth of who he is and what he's done. And I think Paul does this very well with explaining what this is. Um, In the very beginning of this uh, letter, um, in chapter 2, verse 20, um, if you turn there and you look, I would would encourage you, memorize this verse. It is a very good verse to memorize. Um, Let's read it. It says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I think the biggest thing as Christians that we often do is we forget the truth. We wake up in the morning and we get into our routines and we forget to remind ourselves of what Jesus has done. Because when we truly remember and we truly recognize what he's done, everything else falls into place. Everything else works. The spirit moves. You want to take care of your life because you want to follow Christ's example. You want to take things out so the spirit can get in. You want to set up boundaries. You want to pull out the weeds. You know, this morning, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the spirit is talking to you about. But I 100% believe he's telling you something. Because I know every time I read this, every time I get into this portion of of Galatians, it tears me up. There's something new that gets revealed to me. There's something new inside of me that I'm like, okay, that's what we're going for? For me, the last time I read this, this relationship came up. This was huge. It was sucking the life out of me. And it still does. It still does some days. But this was getting in front of my family. It was getting in front of my friends, the people I love. And it was getting in front of Christ. It was destroying me. Now, I'm not saying this is evil, but the relationship you have with it, yeah. Because there's two statistics that I find really interesting and two things that I... um, (sighs) I'm going to say it and we're going to get uncomfortable again. Pornography. There's two statistics that scared me the most. I was going to go into this a lot, but I decided, no, we're going to go somewhere else. But there's two things that popped up. One, this is not just a man thing. A third of the viewership is women. But the one thing that got me the most 
is the day that pornography was viewed the most, the day of the week, is Sunday. Sunday. This is the day it's going to happen. I don't know if you do struggle with it. I don't know where it's at, but I promise you, um, I would encourage you, actually, get a flip phone if it's that deep. They still sell those. I promise you, you being away from this for however long the Spirit needs to work in your life is way better than falling temptation and corrupting the relationships that are in your life and killing you from the inside out. But the other one for me was social media. I don't know about you, but when I look at it, I play a comparison game like that. Like, well, they have that. Why don't I have that? Well, they look like that. Why can't I look like that? Why do they get to go on vacation? Why do they get... That's not what Christ called us to live into. It's not where he wants us to be. And it might not be this. I don't know. I don't know what the Spirit is telling you, but I trust and I believe and I know he's telling you something. So as we begin to come to the bread and we come to the cup and we begin to reflect on who Jesus Christ is and remind ourselves of what he's done, I pray that you would remember, remember, remember when you first fell in love with him, remember it. But also my prayer is that you would have the courage and the strength to step into whatever the spirit is telling you, whatever that is, because it's not gonna be easy. It's not easy to go out and uproot some weeds that have been sitting there forever. It's not. Maybe you need help, find help. Do what you have to do to make the environment within your life a place where the spirit can grow. Because that's life. That's where life is. That's where freedom is, where joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's where everything is found is in the spirit. So the question is, are you going to step into it? Are you going to live in the flesh? Or are you going to live in the spirit? Let's pray. Father, as we come, we come to remember. Help us be reminded of your love, your compassion for us, what you did for us, how you came, you died, and you gave up everything so we could be right with you. We also want to pray as we, we take this moment to remember that you would let your spirit dig into us that you would reveal in us what you want us to change so you can grow within our lives. And I pray for courage, I pray for strength, that you would give us your strength, your courage, and your power to overcome because you overcame. It's in Christ's name I pray all these things, amen.